Okay, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's nice and warm outside. I don't know if any of you watched Super Bowl. There was a Facebook ad, and I've seen them crop up quite a bit. I think they're trying to change their image. We're going to start out watching a Facebook ad, and then we're going to talk about tribalism and community. Okay. So, yeah, um, when I first saw this ad, there was something in it that appealed to me. You know, I heard a couple of people say, oh, you know, you're like, oh, you found your people. You found, like, your tribe, and you're finally happy. And then I was like, now, wait a second. I kind of feel like that guy wouldn't like me unless I had a bath account, right? Like, can't you be happy being around me with a different type of dog? You know, and... It's kind of this subtle message of tribalism that you will be known and happy and accepted if you're with people just like you. If you're with people with a basset hound, you have found your people. And if you're with people with other dogs, they won't really fully understand you, right? And I think that's where our culture is going. There's, um, and is already, it's called tribalism. So tribalism is the behavior and attitudes that stem from strong loyalty to one's own tribe or social group. So tribalism is alive and well in our culture. Um, Carrie Newhoff quoted, the truth about our culture is this, thanks to an abundance of technology, we have never been more connected as a culture before, and we've never felt more disconnected. People have never felt People have never felt more lonely. Our social media feeds give us the illusion of community, but read between the lines and you'll see intense loneliness and even the reemergence of tribalism where we only virtually associate with the people who agree with us. (coughs) Right? You can see that. Tribalism causes people to feel more lonely and more isolated from each other, which is kind of the opposite of, I think, you know, what we think it might cause, but really when you're in like this small microscope tribe of people who think like you, act like you, look like you, talk like you, you learn not to, like you don't know how to have conversations with people who are different than you, you know, or how do you have conversations with people who might disagree with you. Um, You know, a lot of times our egos get hurt and we take things personally. We get offended quickly. We make everything about like me and how I do things, and somehow that's the right thing to do. And if you don't do it, then you know, well, I don't really want to be around you. Um, we make things all about our belief system, and well, you know, this is the way it should be done. And so, the more insular we are, the more lonely and disconnected we are. You know, if you get like smaller and smaller and smaller, you're left with like you. You know, a tribe of one person. And, like, how boring is that? But we kind of feel comfortable and like it. Like, you know, I kind of like just being with me. Um, I don't really like being with people who disagree with me and who, you know, like other things. So tribalism doesn't meet our real need of wanting to belong. It just causes us to fit in. So we all have this innate desire to be known, be loved, to belong, to really like belong for who we are. Mm, yeah. And tribalism is the opposite. Tribalism says you have to fit in and be like all of us in order for us to like you. 
Um, so belonging is being accepted for who you are, for you. Fitting in, or tribalism, is being accepted for being like everyone else. You know, we all can have flashbacks of like high school and middle school, right? Like, you know, that's tribalism. You have to fit in to be liked or, you know, to be part of the group. But our real longing is to be known and like being loved for who we really are. So um, what does it mean then to belong or to be in a community? This desire that we all have to really be a part of a people where we feel like we can be ourselves. Um, how does that look? Because it just seems so hard to do in our culture. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, um, verses 42-47. And I'll read, it's like the exact opposite of tribalism. So it talks about this, these... I think to set this up too, <coughs> this is a picture of the church when it first started. And so it's kind of like the church in its embryonic form. But just like in the Old Testament, when God created the world, and we have a picture of the Garden of Eden, and God made man and woman and gave them a mission, and everything was good, it was a picture of how God wanted things to be. This is a picture of how God wants the church to be the kind of community that, that lives this out. Right. Yeah. So it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So to me, I think this sounds like a great group of people to be with. You know, they're like excited, they're happy to be together, they're sharing, they're eating, they're, you know, having life together. Um, they're socializing. And I was thinking back, I kind of had this experience when I was in college, um, that type of community. Um, I had just moved overseas from London where I went to high school to college and I was very self-centered. I thought I knew everything about the world because I'd live overseas and was quite snobby about it and convinced I was cultured, but actually was very just proud and narcissistic. Um, I went to this really small meeting where this man talked about Jesus and I was like, yes, that is who I want. I want Jesus. And um, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to basically save me from me. And he did, and I was so thankful, so happy, felt so alive and free, and I was like, Jesus, I will do anything for you out of thankfulness in my heart. I will be a hermit for you. I love you so much. And he had other plans for me. <laughs> he put me in a body of people. <laughs> so this is an illustration of what Jesus wanted to do in my heart. That's Jesus erasing the boundaries and borders. Because it would have been easier to be a hermit. Oh, yeah. I actually. would. Yeah, I still want to be a hermit for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not want to be up here talking to you? <laughs> yeah, I had all these walls in my heart. I had all these boundaries toward people, like, don't talk to me. I'm hurt. I've been hurt in the past. So, you know, you kind of remind me of somebody who's hurt me. So I really don't want to talk to you. So is Jesus, like, having better plans for me? putting me in a community of people 
to help break down those walls of hurt and fear and mistrust and insecurity and isolation and all that junk. Um, and he not only placed me in a group, but this group of people was very different than me. I was thinking I had like two friends in the group, um, this community of Jesus followers. We were all really excited to follow Jesus together. My one friend is named Jackie, and she was from a small town in Kansas, you know, and I lived in London, and she was a cheerleader. She was like this like small package of dynamite from, Philippine, from the Philippines. And she was this cheerleader in high school. And I was like the anti-cheerleader. I was like, you know. Don't, don't, no offense if you were a cheerleader. Yeah, yeah. She's I, changed. She's changing. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like now. the cynical, dark, you know, take myself so seriously sort of person. And so I was like non-cheerleader person. And of course, like, who did God put me in a community with? You know, somebody happy. I was like, <laughs> And then my other good friend is Laura, and she's from Chicago, and she was a Division One athlete, very tall, and like the Enneagram 8, like, challenger, like, in your face. And I'm like, I kind of want to hide from you right now. You scare me. And she grew up with four other sisters, and they swapped clothes back and forth, you know, that type of family. Yeah, I'm still like, I, it's good for you, you know? But for me, I remember getting irritated at her for borrowing one of my pens. I was like, so like, why didn't you ask me to borrow a pen? So selfish, so conceited, so, you know. And I texted her the other day, I'm like, haha, I'm talking about you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Please forgive me for being so selfish. So I was also like the non-athlete, you know? So two people like very different than me, but it was so good for me, for my selfishness to be crossed. You know, I wanted to be around people like myself, tribalism. But really, God's way of doing things is so different and uncomfortable than what we want. His way is community, bringing lots of different people together, forming a group of people with one common goal. And that, for me, was King Jesus. Like, that community was loving King Jesus above our differences, our, you know, strange behaviors. And it was really, like, loving him. And we had a lot of fun together, loving him. And really, you know, people were serving Jesus for the first time. And it was just a fun environment to be around. And it was because, like, we had this higher value. And the higher value above, you know, me is King Jesus. And he's still calling us to do that. He's still calling us as a community to live for a higher value for him. And as we live for the high value of King Jesus, like all us strange people, you know, can figure this out and be a community together. And I feel like how ironic is it, I'm still in a community with you guys of people different than me. Otherwise, we'd be a church of like middle-aged women. And how I don't think many of us would want to be in a church of middle-aged women. You know, that sounds like a book club. <laughs> I should start a book club to find my people, right? <laughs> but really, it's good. It's uh, good for us, right? It's good for us to be uncomfortable and be around people different from us. Even though we might hate it and it might really annoy us, but it's really good if we allow King Jesus to expand us and expand our hearts and help us learn to love. I mean, I didn't want to love. I was very narcissistic. Why love other people? 
that it really forces our hearts to grow and expand and not be isolated and exclu excluded from each other, but really learn, like, I, like, I want to know God in you. I want to know what's your story and how has God, you know, changed you and do you have gifts and things that I need. Like, I need a different perspective. I need to know, like, God in a fuller, more expansive way. So John is going to paint a better picture of how we can fully enter into this kind of community that King Jesus makes possible. Awesome. I'm so glad that you worked through some of those issues <laughs> with Laura and Jackie before we got married. I know. I was thinking, if I was on a dating app, John, would be filtered out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. We are so different. Oh, thank you very yes, much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been drawn towards you on that dating app, actually. Yeah, sad but true. Sad but true. But I'm glad, because I had three siblings too, so I'm glad she worked through some of those issues with pins and clothing and all that. A little bit, but we're still working on it very much. But we want to go back to that, just looking back to that the story, the picture in Acts 2 about the early church and how experience this community and and it's really in the backdrop our whole theme our whole series is about the keys of transformation it's funny when we think of of, com of community and relationships a lot of times the last thing on our mind is being transformed right we're thinking about who's going to meet my needs and be like me and give me these fulfilling relationships but God has this beautiful plan of changing us through our relationships with other people and there's probably there's hardly anything that changes us like our interactions with the people who God puts in our life. And there's nothing that changes the world as much as a group of people. This group of people in Acts 2 who live this way, they turned their city upside down. And they went from a movement of just a few people to radically turning the whole Roman Empire upside down and turning the world upside down. And so this kind of community is not just, it is about giving us the life we were meant for, but it also brings about the kind of world that God wants to bring about. So it's, it's just so important. Um, so I want to just kind of break it down looking at, at three marks of a Jesus community, three marks of the kind of community that God calls us into, the kind of community that transforms us and transforms the world. And so the first mark of a Jesus community, it's kind of obvious, but it's centered on Jesus. Mm, I know, that's, that's surprising, deep and profound, but yeah, Jesus' community is centered on, on Jesus, and we hear that, the, 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 the story that we looked at, um, I want to, about what the early church was like, and sharing everything with one another, meeting together in homes, practicing radical generosity, God just, God's presence being with them, but it's important to backtrack just a little bit to see what set that up, like how, what caused that to come about, and so we're going to Look back a few verses. This is on the day of Pentecost. It was a, a big holiday where God just showed up in a powerful way. And the Apostle Peter was preaching a message out in the streets to thousands of people who were gathered from around the world for this holiday. And he starts talking about who Jesus is and how God had sent his son to the world to take the price of our sins and to live a perfect life, basically to live the life we should have lived and then die the death that we should have died to bring us a better life, to bring us the life that we yearn for, and to bring, to bring his kingdom into the world. 
And so the bottom line of this message is we pick it up in, in Acts 2.36. Peter says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt, twisted generation. I think that's a relevant message today as well. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow, that was a pretty exciting day. I mean, 3,000 people accepted this message, started following Jesus, got baptized. I mean, one mass baptism, mass celebration, powerful, powerful stuff happening. I mean, May we see that in our lifetime, huh? Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be awesome? But it all started with this proclamation of the message of who Jesus is. That he is King and Messiah. And the people in that audience were cut to the heart because they realized the reason he had to die was because we are sinners. And many of them realized we were the ones a few weeks ago saying, crucify him. We are guilty of this man's death, our sins are the reason that, that he died. We, and, but we need a Messiah. And so this, this, this realization that they had of their need for a Messiah, their need for a king, and them turning from their old life and believing in Jesus, repenting of their sins, believing in Jesus, being baptized into his, into his family, that was what birthed this Jesus community. And you may be like, well, yeah, why do you just keep, like, beating on this? Isn't this obvious? But it's important because the thing that makes this kind of community is it's not just a social club. It's not just how can we, like, learn about our personalities and how to work in relationships. And that's all important and good. But it has to start with being centered on Jesus. Jesus is the one who does something miraculous that we can't do ourselves. And so, you know, we're all in different places. You know, some of us, some of us in this room, we, we like what we know about Jesus, but we're not so sure about his people. You know, I'm, I'm like that sometimes, too. All right? Some of us, we, we like the community. We like the community that Jesus has brought about, but we're not yet sure about Jesus. And then there are those of us in this room who are like, you know, we, we believe in Jesus, and we love his community, too. And wherever you're at this morning... I want you to know that there's room to, to consider and ponder and learn and, and grow. But I want to invite you to draw closer to Jesus, to be wherever you are, to be drawing closer to him and learning about him and giving him a chance. And as much as he's proven to you, believe in him and put your trust in him because he's the one that changes everything and he's the one who creates this kind of community. Um, yeah, and when that happens, there's just such a sense of, of awe. I remember when, when this community first started, and it was a handful of us in our living room on a Sunday morning. I remember Juanita being there. I remember one Sunday when we went on vacation, and 
um, Tom in the back, who Marcel already pointed out, he was leading the, the discussion. And Tom showed up, Quinita showed up, and one other guy showed up. <laughs> there were three people. But I remember those gatherings. It was, there was a sense of, because it was centered around Jesus, and we would sing songs and talk, and there was this sense of, like, God is with us. God is here. I don't know what's going on, but I'm okay to just be here forever, really, because God is in this thing. And that's, that's what really matters, is as our, as our lives and our community is centered on Jesus, he shows up, and that's what changes everything. So Jesus' community is centered on Jesus, um, but as we're connected to Jesus, we also experience depth of, com- depth of community with other people as well. And so the second mark of, Jesus, of a Jesus community is that a Jesus community, the people in it, are all in with one another. They're not only all in with Jesus or centered on Jesus, but all in with one another, too. And, you know, that's where the whole, like, okay, I, I want to, I like Jesus, but I'm not sure about this people. Well, God wants to bring, to bring us to a place of, okay, I'm all in with some, some people, too. And that's so clearly what we, what we read about in this community. They were all in with one another. And I love that because, I love the fact that I see that happening. I just love that I see that happening in our community. I, I love how people are always giving one another rides, sharing meals together, living together, coming you know, alongside one another when we're discouraged and not sure which side is up. I mean, I, I love just seeing that week in and week out that there's a group of people who are all in for one another. And I'm honored to be part of a group of people that are, that are living this way. So that's... Thanks for living this way and letting me be part of it. It's, it's really cool. I think there, there's a mentality, and you see it so clearly in, this, in, in Acts 2, that it's radical how generous they were, right? How generous they were with their money. It says they didn't consider anything their own. They were just like, hey, mi casa su casa. Like, whatever I have, it's yours. It's, we're, it, we're just a community. It leads to people asking the question, are Christians supposed to be socialized? Social, social, what's the word? Socialist, yeah, socialism mites, yeah, socialist. Um, there's actually, we, we have a, a, a website with articles and things to help us develop a Christian worldview called Integrate the Faith. There's an article coming up this week called, Is Jesus a Socialist? So check that out, that'll answer all those questions. But there, the difference, bottom line is, they held everything in common, but it was voluntary. It was, from my heart, I want to give everything to others. And their time, I mean, they were meeting daily together. They were learning and growing. There was a, a radical generosity about that. And I think for us to experience this kind of community, it's, it's not someone saying, hey, you need to be more committed. You need to give more. But it's from the heart saying, God, you've changed my life. And my life is yours. And now I want to get, live my life with other people and give it to them. It's really a, not a table scraps mentality. Like, I, I know this isn't kosher anymore with, like, you know, you can't feed your pet. When I was a kid, our dogs actually ate, like, chicken bones and, like, bones with, you know, meat with bones on them. I know you're not supposed to do that. But our scraps, like, we gave to our pets and our horses. Like, they, they ate that. And I, sometimes we had that attitude with, with God. And with our Christian community, like, okay, after I've, I've taken care of all my needs, whatever's left over, I'll share that with others. And we kind of 
give God and others the scraps. But what God calls us into is, is a, a first fruits mentality, is where we give God the first of our life and the best of our life. And as we do that, he provides for us and does something dynamic. So I want to encourage us in that. Um, all in with one another. You know, it's, it's important, too, that it's not just like we're all in with an organization. Like, I don't want, I would, I don't want anyone to be all in with the organization of Bluemont Church. No, it's all in with people. It's all in with somebody. Somebody with, with skin on them. And somebody who sometimes has bad breath. And some obnoxious habits. And some really great attributes, too. But it's who, it's like, who am I all in with? Who is that person? Who are those people? You know, like Reagan talked about Lara and Jackie. Who are, who are the peers? Who are the people like you? That you've got a couple people at least that you're like, okay, I, these are the people that I am really building a tight friendship with. And we're, we're here for one another. Every Christian needs peers like that. You need a mentor or two. Someone who's a little, at least a step or two farther down this road than you. Who can say, hey, you've been a Christian for a month? Well, I've been a Christian for two months. So, I don't know much, but here's what I've been learning. Let, let me help you. You know, I mean, maybe they've been a Christian even longer than that. That's awesome. But someone who you can just, who can pass on what they've learned to you. And then you need people that you're reaching out to. People that, have, that are not yet believers. You've been a believer for a week, but your friends aren't believers yet. Well, man, who are you sharing your life with and reaching out to? We, we need real people that we're all in like that. And as those of us going through the KL2 book, there's a, a whole, like, chart to talk about, okay, who are my key relationships? But it's being all in with actual, tangible people like that. So a Jesus community is centered on Jesus. We're all in for one, with one another. And then a big part of being all in with one another is, is living for something bigger than our own life and even our own community, but a mission bigger than ourselves. It's not just about us. But there's something beyond that. And so a true Jesus community is continually expanding. It's always growing. I mean, how awesome was that in Acts chapter 2, where in one day 3,000 people get born again and changed and added to this community and come from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Man, that is so cool. That is, that is God's heart to do things like that. And then it says day by day, there was something... God was doing, and there was something so attractive about this community that people were being added to it day by day. And I mean, I'm, I think to a large degree we're seeing that happen. We're seeing lives change, but I mean, I want to just see it, see it happening more and more. And so it's important that we know that, that we're not just here for those of us who are convinced already, those of us who are already in, but we are a community that is here for those who are unconvinced. We are a community for those that are a million miles away from God. For those who think, like, I'm too bad for Jesus. That's who our community exists for, actually. We are not those who we think, like, oh, they're, they're like, they already, want it. they already want to be a Christian. No, we exist for those that are far away. And that's, that's how we started. That's how we got into this thing, and that's, that's who we're called to be for. I wanted to just... It's kind of like seeing ourselves as an urgent care um, center 
where, like our church is an urgent care building where people come who see they have a need. Like I'm broken, I need help. And we're all here saying we need Jesus, we need somebody more than ourselves. And we're extending a hand to those who are coming in who see maybe they don't yet see their need, but some people do see their need. And we're not like a social club, but we're here to help others who need help. Yeah, so good. And it keeps you humble and looking and seeing people and like your eyes up looking and not just like focused on yourself. Yeah, good. So what's really encouraging to me, and this was just sticking out to me as I was pondering this this week, is that that last sentence in that passage, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As they were living this out, as they were centered on Jesus, as they were all in with one another, God did something that they couldn't do. You know, for someone to become a Christian, to become a disciple, that's not something you can manufacture. That is something that God has to be involved in that process. But as people are living this out, there is the grace of God that is extended in that environment in a unique way. And I really believe God wants us to have a confidence that this is his heart, that he wants to change lives. He wants to add people to his community. And just as we are faithful to center our lives on him and be all in for one another and all, all in for others, God, that's how God, he, he changes lives and adds people to this. So where does that leave us? Um, I just want to give us a couple next steps this to, that, that may be applicable for a lot of us or some of us, you know, differently in, in this room this morning. Um, first one is believe in Jesus. You know, if you're here and you have not yet taken that step of turning from your old life, of turning away from your sin, admitting you're a sinner, and trusting in Jesus and what he did on the cross to die for your sin, and bowing your knee to him as your king, as your Lord, as your leader, then believe in him and center your life on him. Um, if you still have questions, at least like start moving in that direction. Ask questions, learn, ask him to reveal himself to you. And those of us who would say, I'm already a believer, well, it's still a next step for us to keep believing in Jesus. To ask, like, am I, am I closer to Jesus today than I was a month ago? Am I moving closer to him? Am I centering my life on him? And, and growing in my faith and growing as a believer. So believe in Jesus. The next, next step is become a member of the Christian community. Become a member of a church. It says those who believed were added to their number. It's just basic Christianity that when we follow Jesus, we get added to a church community. And so um, don't be like that guy who says, who's like, yeah, my girlfriend and I, we've been living together for six years. And she's like, when is he going to ask the question? Like, when is he going to give me a ring? Like, he's like, well, man, we're, we're married in my heart. Well, just like get married then, you know? <laughs> and a lot of times people are like that with the Christian community. Like, well, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm part of it in my heart. Well, then make it, just make it official. Put a ring on it. Come to the ECC. Become a member. <laughs> like, take that step. Make it real. So, you have anything to add to that? All right. Like, <laughs> shut up, you're weird. Keep going. Something like that. All right. Um, third step, uh, a bunch of us in this room are, 
are wrapping up going through the KL2 Bible study and our, our small groups. And this week might be the last time you're doing that. And logical question, good question is, what's next? I've been like building some relationships with some people and growing closer to Jesus, applying things to my life. What do I do next? Um, well, it's, it's likely that those relationships you've been walking with are good relate. Those might be some of the people that you can really be all in with, really be continuing to, to walk with and build relationships with. Um, maybe it would be a good idea to keep meeting weekly with that group of people um, for accountability and encouragement. Maybe there are accountability questions in one of the appendixes here. Um, maybe you could start talking about that as, as you keep moving forward. Um, but a, another great thing would be to be asking, okay, who is the person that I'm really going to be intentional to reach out to? Man, is there someone that around me that is, I could ask if they want to learn more about God? And maybe they would be interested in going through the Kingdom of Living One book. Man, how awesome would it be to have a bunch of us in this room find someone else in the next month that we start going through Kingdom of Living One with somebody who's not walking with God right now? That would be an awesome next step for a lot of us. And then the last one I want to mention is we're doing this cool project that I'm really excited about called Manhattan Wants to Know. And you may have seen a little, little survey under your, under your chair, but a few of us have started going out and talking to people. And this is a survey you can do with just go up to someone in the union or in the park and say, hey, we're doing this survey, a group of us from Bluemont Church and Called to Greatness. We're, we want, we're trying to talk to 200 people in the next couple weeks, next three weeks, actually, and we're trying to find out what Manhattan wants to know. And some of the questions on here are like, what's one thing you're curious about? What's one big problem or unmet need in the world? What's one unmet need in your life? And then from there, asking, hey, would you like to know more about God's purpose for you and the world? And so um, Marcel and I were doing this in the Union a couple days ago. We just had some powerful conversations with people. But this is just kind of a cool tool for us to, to genuinely uh, get a better feeling for what are the real needs in our community and what, are, what do people want to know. And actually, we're going to do a, our message series after spring break, um, three weeks before Easter. We're going to be talking about the top things that Manhattan wants to know. So we, we really want to get some good data from people. Like, hey, what do people want to know? So I want to invite you, like, if you could, if you want to do this, we'd, I would, it would be awesome if you talked to one or two people at least, maybe a, a friend, and just say, hey, will you fill this out? Give us your thoughts. It will help us figure out what we want to talk about at, at our church on Sundays. And it, you may, and it may be a chance they may want to even like, learn more about God as you open that conversation. So there's this paper form, but then we also have a link on our website. Um, that would be even better. There's a, a SurveyMonkey um, survey that if they just fill it there, then it's easier for us to collect the data versus like taking a picture of this and emailing it to us to collect. So does that make sense? Cool. So I'm, you guys excited about that? Wouldn't that be cool? Let's, 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 let's see what Manhattan wants to know and go from there. Um, cool. We're trying to do this by, we're trying to get as much info as we can by March 10th so that we can start figuring out what our topics are going to be for our messages. So the sooner the better. It'd be great. All right, well, anything you want to add? Okay. We're going to wrap up our time today with taking part in communion.
which is kind of appropriate, is where we're talking about community and the transforming power of, of community. And really, it goes, communion as we, or the Lord's Supper, as we receive the elements of the, the bread representing Jesus' body and the, the, the cup representing his blood, we are remembering that it was his blood and his, his sacrifice on our behalf that gives us new life and that brings us into a new community.